Tonight, um, one of the things that you kind of introduce a person at the beginning and you don't really know them, and it's kind of you have this little script, and it was like, what do you say about a guy that you don't know at all? The cool thing was is that by the, by the end of the night, wow, I mean, I could describe this guy. He's, what he just sang about, Jesus is what he's about. He's about celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ, which is one of the missions of our church is to celebrate Jesus. And, and it's, it just encompasses all of his music. I think the, the grace of God is something that we're talking about this morning, which is kind of cool. Um, he already stole some of my message. Um, <laughs> But you know what? It's not your message anyways, brother. It's God's message. It's God's word. So those things all came together. Um, I think he's just a genuine guy, down to earth. Uh, We had an intimate uh, concert setting last night, didn't we? (laughs) Kind of the coffee shop. We have some coffee left over. A lot of coffee left over. So we're just really glad that you you came. I appreciate your humility and who you are. Um, So, kids... You guys are dismissed now. You don't have to listen to me. Good, if you want to. If you want to stay, you can. Um, no thanks. Oh, I thought you said no thanks, Priscilla. I was like feeling the love this morning. I was like, what in the world? She says that at staff meeting too. No thanks. You're kind of rebellious and stubborn, aren't you? No She's not. <laughs> kind, compassionate, tender-hearted, loves children, all those good things. So, Now, the rest of you, you don't get to go to Children's Church today. You have to stay here and you have to listen to me. And I want you to take out your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. And as we're doing that, um, I want to... Well, let me read it first, and then I want to paint a picture for you. So let me get there. Philippians chapter 2. Um, if you think about go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philippians does begin with a P. Go eat popcorn, okay? That's how you know where to find it in your Bible. All right, here we go. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also much more in my absence, here it is. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. In order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful, God, for your word. I'm thankful, God, that your word is truth. We're thankful, Father, that your word instructs our hearts. We're thankful, God, that uh, your word teaches us how to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, Lord. Uh, We tremble, God, at your word because we know that it's life. We know that it's powerful, God. And so we come to you this morning, God, with submissive hearts and humility, God, before you. 
God, we expect great things, God. We expect for your Holy Spirit, God, to speak to us and to teach us because it's the Holy Spirit that's working inside of us that teaches us and, and empowers us and fuels our living, God. And so, God, may we, at the end of this day, God, uh, reflect on the outside the work, God, that you're doing on the inside. We love you, Father. There's no one like you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want you to think about this. Imagine yourself going to a, a restaurant with a friend of yours. It's a business meeting, lunch meeting. And, um, and you, walk into the fr- you walk into the doors, and the first thing you see there is this manager. And the manager's with the waitress, and, he's, and he is just chewing this waitress out, right? He's saying, how could, you, how could you possibly? I told you never to seat people at a dirty table. Wait till the tables are clean, Right? Can't you get that through your thick skull? And the manager walks away, and, um, and the waitress is like, well, come follow me. Table for two over here, and she's dragging her head, and, and she's thinking, man, this guy, he just got promoted to, to man- manager. He thinks he's really big stuff. You know what? What an idiot. This guy's an idiot. Two waitresses have already quit. Two more are looking for another job. And so... You sit down at the table, and pretty soon, um, waitress comes back, and she's like, you guys don't have any water yet? And, and so, I, I have to do everything around here. Hey, busboy, get over here. Give, this, give these guys some water. Busboy comes, sets the table, gives you your silverware, just like he does, gives you the water. And he's gone. He's murmuring under his breath. She's supposed to share tips with me. I think she's cheating me. And pretty soon they're sitting close to the they're sitting close to the kitchen. It's one of those those diner things, you know, where the the food comes out on the bar and there, there's two plates there and the, the waitresses are fighting over whose hamburger it is. Hey, stop taking my hamburger, man! Don't take my food and serve it to another table. You keep doing that, I'm going to put Tabasco sauce in your in your spaghetti and then see how many. Let's see how many tips you get then, you know. And so. A few minutes later, you hear the waitress yelling back to the kitchen, hey, what's the wait here? What's, what's taking so long? You know, why, are we, why, are my, why is my food not come, coming out? And you, you kind of think about it, and, and you get done with the meal. You get up with your friend, and you kind of walk out of the restaurant, and you go, hey, I know we got to meet next week. Would, do you want to come back here? <laughs> okay, you laughed, so yeah. No, why would you want to come back there? When you're complaining and arguing, guess what? You drive a crowd away, right? Grumbling, murmuring, complaining. So meeting picks up this next week. You walk into a different restaurant. Here's the manager and the waitress, and that manager is saying, you know what, I just appreciate just how well you serve the people at this restaurant. You see that young family that just walked out the door? They were talking on and on about how you served their child well, how you gave them, got them the high chair, how you just took really good care of them as a waitress. I just want you to know that I really appreciate what you're doing. Waitress walks to the table, and you don't have any, you don't have any water yet? Well, you know what? <laughs> Jake over there, He's our busboy, and we had a guy call in sick today, and guess what? Jake's waiting two sections, and so, you know what? Let me get you some water, um, you know, and 
pretty soon you say, hey, what's good on the menu? And um, the waitress is like, well, you know what? Just about everything is good on this menu. These cooks in this restaurant, they are the most amazing chefs in the world. Now, I know, you know, for me, my, my favorite pick is lasagna. I just love lasagna. Anybody like lasagna in here? Oh, yeah, there we go. I've got some lasagna lovers. Where's, where's Andrew at? Oh, there he is. Okay. Anybody <laughs> like lasagna? Yeah, everything that the cooks do is amazing. You know, when you're, when you're complaining and arguing, you drive a crowd away. But guess what? When you're grateful and gracious, you draw them in. And I just want to talk about that a little bit this morning. I think Paul is addressing something that's going on in this Philippian church. And by the way, this is, a, this is an amazing church. Um, this church loves Jesus. They're doing really well. You can hear it in Paul's writing. We've heard it up to this point so far. I mean, even that theme verse of what God started in you, he's going to be faithful to complete it in you. Paul is encouraging this church, but we know that there's an issue in this church, and we'll see it again in chapter 4. I think he addresses it here in verse 14. You know, do everything without complaining and arguing. And so Paul then, he, he begins here in verse 12, and he says, therefore. Now, the first thing that I want you to see in these, these two verses here is that God's power is the one that fuels our Christian living. It's the power of God working in us that can allow us to carry out, verse 14, doing everything without complaining and arguing. On our own, our default setting, <laughs> if you will, this depravity that we have in us is to, is to complain and argue. It's my default setting. I have to work hard at it. And so he says, therefore, and he's saying that in light of everything else that he's been saying. Drew brought that to our attention a couple weeks ago. There's a therefore, therefore, and here's another therefore. Paul's building instruction to the Philippians here, all the way, I believe, from chapter 1 and verse 27, which I think is the theme of this book, and I think this is the key instruction. He says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. He says, I want you guys to stand firm in one spirit. I want you to contend as one man for the faith of the gospel. And then more specifically in chapter 2, Paul builds this instruction into the church. In, verse, in verses 3 and 4, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. This is the key word here, humility. If we're going to carry this thing out, we're going to do it because we're humble. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look out not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Think about that in the context of the restaurant conversation, how those two things are very differently there. And so Paul is affirming this church. It, and you know what happens? Sometimes in a church, as it, go, it, it all starts off, right? Church plants generally start off where everyone is in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. You get 10 years into a church plant, Nah, you get more people here. Nah, you know, people are a little bit cranky sometimes. Not everybody gets their way. You get more people. Maybe that's what's going on here. I'm not sure. Um, but I do know that Paul is, is addressing this church, about a 10-year-old church plant from prison. 
And so Paul is affirming this church. He's saying, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Paul's heart is for these people. As a pastor, he loves this church. He's writing from a deep love. Guys, don't get sidetracked. The fellowship that we've had together is sweet fellowship. And so this church is just soaking in Paul's teaching. They love Paul. And even without Paul there, uh, this church is walking in the Spirit of God. Now as a pastor, man, what a, there's no greater joy than to, than to plant a church and to leave it and to know that that church is still walking in the Spirit of God. I don't plan on leaving or anything like that, so you can't get rid of me that easy. But, um, but you can hear Paul in this text. Paul's coming to the end of his life. He sees that, you know what? I'm not sure I'm going to make it out of prison here. I, we, I am, I'm in the hands of Caesar, you know, Nero at the time. I'm in the hands of this guy. Who knows what he's going to choose? I could get the thumbs down, done, or crucified. And so Paul's passing the baton. He knows he's not going to be there much longer. He encourages this church to work out the working that started inside of them. And so he goes on here. He talks about this working out. He says, therefore, now much more in my absence, continue, right? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's this working out of of things that are happening on the inside. And so Paul reminds them of who they are. What's on the inside, what's on the outside should be the same as what's going on on the inside. And it's true for us today, too. If you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, it should show on the outside. What's going on on the inside is reflected on what's going on on the outside. It's true of an individual believer. I believe it's also true of a church and a gathering of believers. And so Paul says, work out your salvation. Very important word there, work out, okay? He's not saying, hey, I want you to, I want you to work for your salvation, right? Like you, could, like you could even possibly earn your salvation. How many of us even think that we could possibly deserve it or earn it? He's not saying, hey, I want you to work at your salvation, right? He's saying, I don't want you to work toward it. Like someday that maybe you'll achieve this salvation. He's saying, I want you to work it out. Now, what is it? Like, what are we working out then? Like, if we're supposed to be working for something, what, what is it? How do, we, how do we work this out? I believe that the word salvation there is, is extremely important. What does Paul mean when he says salvation? What's he saying? Where did our salvation come from? How are you saved? How do you even possess salvation? I think it's, it's Erskine's music. We possess salvation through grace. It's only by grace that you're saved. So what is the gospel? What is this gospel of salvation? What is it that we're working out? What is, what is salvation? Remember it for a moment. Remember, salvation is the idea that God loves us, right? 
There is a God who loves you. And of course, we wouldn't need salvation if we weren't sinners. Every one of us sins. The Scripture makes it very clear that every one of you, every one of us, this guy included, sin and fall short of the glory of God. Let me put an emphasis on sin and fall short of the glory of God. Not sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Do you see it? Work out your salvation. We're sinners. And guess what? We continue to sin and fall short of the glory of God. Praise God for His grace. God looks at us. He loves us. He sees our sinfulness. And He says, you know what? My love for you is motivating me. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to come, and He's going to save you from your sin. We've been offered the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ at the cross. And every one of us in the room who has fallen at the feet of Jesus in humility has come to a place where we realize that I can't do it on my own. I keep trying and I keep falling short. And so God responds when we respond in faith and we, lift, we raise our hands in our, to God and we say, what a wretched man that I am. Who can save me? Jesus, I need you. I need you to step in. I need you to forgive my sins. And God is faithful. God responds to our faith. He saves us from our sinfulness. And then Ephesians says this wonderful thing that he gives us something, doesn't he? What does he give us? Who does he give us? He gives us the Holy Spirit. This is the key to this text. God gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And so the Spirit indwells us. And now Paul can say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act. Salvation here is this idea, of, it's a present continuous tense in a believer's life. But notice then the attitude of how we live, work out this salvation. He says, work it out with fear and trembling. This attitude, this, this idea, this, this fear and trembling, it's this idea that, that um, it's used to describe the anxiety of one who distrusts his ability completely to meet all requirements, but religiously does his utmost to fulfill his duty. And I think this supports Paul's text. This fear and trembling supports this whole idea that we're to live with humility towards one another. No one's arrived, no one has it all together, and therefore consider other people better than yourselves. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This idea is totally devoid of any pride. We can never take pride in our own self-effort to try to achieve something that only God can do. This person who works out their salvation with fear and trembling knows that one day, the verses that Drew just preached on will be reality. 
that we will bow our knees and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so there's a sense where when we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, there's submission in our hearts. We're submitting to something greater than ourselves. And I believe it's the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And so he goes on here in verse 13, and he talks about the fuel that, that fuels the work. That we, the working out is the working in. He says, it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Or think about it this way. For the one bringing in you the desire and the effort for the sake of his good pleasure is God. The only way that we live out this Christian life, we work out what God's working inside, is God's work inside of us through the Spirit. And guess what? It's always been that way. You look at the Old Testament, and you see that the Holy Spirit's the one. In Ezra 1.5, it says, everyone whose heart had been moved. Who's moving the heart of man? It's God. It's the Holy Spirit moving God, the heart. Haggai says it this way before building the temple. It says, so the Lord stirred up the Spirit. It's the God working in us. I want you to understand this. Paul gets it. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. I want you to see this working out. What is it that we're working out? What's working in us that's working on the outside? How can we actually live graciously with one another and grateful with one another? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. He says this. He says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. And catch this, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What is it that we're working out? What is this salvation? It's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. And so it's God working in me to work out grace in my life. And when we live with this attitude of humility towards one another, when we realize that um, we're sinners and that we need the grace of God every day, guess what? It shows on the outside in the way that we respond to other people in our lives. It changes the way that we live. Now, I've always wrestled with this question. So is it, God, is it, is it me doing the work? Or, God, are you doing the work? How does, this, how does this work, right? You ever think about that? Do you ever just ponder that question and go, I know I'm not supposed to work for it. I know I'm not working but how am I working it out? I'm working at it. How am I doing this? How do I work out what God, I know you're working inside. It's so confusing to me, right? And I thought about it a lot this week, and, and the, the best way that I could understand it was, and you need that obedience word at the beginning there of this text to get to the working in, right? The working in, then we obey, and then we work out. You need all of that. And so the simplest way that I can understand it is to use a coaching analogy, Okay? So the coach, right? Everybody watched football? Well, some people watched football yesterday. My teams aren't on, so I don't, I get, I don't get cable, and so it was a pretty rotten day. I had to watch Ohio State. <laughs> Zig. Oh. The Ohio State. 
It was rough. It took all the humility of my life to do it. Sorry. That was for you, Vicky. But the coach knows his players, right? The coach knows the capability of his players. The coach knows a lot about his players. He studies the players and he knows their weaknesses. The coach knows their strengths. And so the coach then, knowing those things, designs plays for his players to help them be strong. The coach is the one that sees the whole game, right? He sees it from start to end. In fact, probably most college coaches know even the plays that they're going to run in the first quarter, and they have a good idea of what they're going to run the whole game. Like, I think this is how the game's going to go. I've studied the opponent. I've studied, you know, I've studied Ohio State, the enemy. And, um, and I, know how that, I know how they work. And so I'm going to design these plays for you to be successful. And so, but guess who's playing the game? The player. The player's the one that's out on the field, right? The player's the one that's working out. The player's the one that's showing up for practice. The player's the one that's running the plays that the coach gives to him. But imagine what would happen if you didn't have a coach. What would that be like? Imagine if we didn't have a coach on a team. That would be organized chaos, right? Hey, I don't think I want to play on the line this week. I think I'd like to try the quarterback position today. You know, I know I'm like 300 pounds, but you know what? No one could stop me. Just give me the ball every time, and I'll run right through the defense. You think about it. You, you need the coach, right? Every player would be making their own decisions, playing a different position. In order for us to work out our salvation well, we must follow the coach's instructions. God is working in us. He's given us the coach, right? The Holy Spirit, the comforter, the the counselor. He's the one that's working in us. And so it would be important for us as believers in Jesus Christ, if we're going to actually work out this salvation, to listen to what God's doing inside of us. It's the Holy Spirit working in us. It's the best way that I can understand it. And you know what it's like when you're not obeying the coach, right? pretty rough. You're kind of on your own and things aren't going real well. When we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, things happen. And so Paul, he's instructing the church here. He's saying, work this thing out. Work out what God's working in you. And then he gets really practical. He follows these theological statements with some simple instruction on what it looks like to work out what God's working in. And he says, he says, be grateful and gracious with one another. Actually, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. And notice that he says everything. Do everything. I struggle with this. I really struggle with this verse. (laughs) In fact, (laughs) last Friday night, so Friday night, Karen and I are on a date, and she knows that I really struggle with this complaining thing. It shows up in traffic. It shows up in in analyzing everything that happens in restaurant. It shows up after church on Sunday when I'm analyzing everything that I said and didn't say very well, and I'm very negative about just a lot of things. I get very negative and grumbling and complaining. So Friday night, uh, we're on a date, and we decided to just have this, this bet, right? Contest. <laughs> we're not competitive, but we had a contest. <laughs> and the contest was this. 
whoever starts on a 10-point scale, you start off with 10 points, and every time you're negative, you lose a point, okay? I did really well. <laughs> Caught myself every time before I was going to say something because the, the deal was whoever lost had to give a back rub to the other person, so... And Karen thought it was a no-brainer. It was going to be an easy way to get a back rub. Eh, she's wrong, man. You know what? When the Spirit's working inside and there's some motivation, when I let the Spirit work inside and there's some motivation for it, man, I could really work this thing out. And so I'm taking every thought captive here. I'm not saying a whole lot the whole night. Every time right before I'm ready to say something, I'm like, whoa, take that back right in there. Don't let that come off your tongue. Right? Do everything without complaining and arguing. Be grateful and gracious with one another. Do you realize what a joy it was when I was catching these things and not saying negative stuff? We had a great night, didn't we? We really did. Right? Yeah. It was wonderful. It was like a new man. Now, the flip side of this is, hey, do everything without complaining or arguing. This idea here of complaining is this idea of, of grumbling. It's this idea where there's a, there's a secret displeasure. It's not something that you put out in the open. It's okay to, to talk to the person, talk to the source, and make your, make your complaint known. It's the stuff that happens on the inside. The idea here of complaining is the idea of this murmuring. This is different than face-to-face -face with a person. Murmuring is what happens on the job when I'm at work, when the boss isn't around. Discontentment, quiet complaining. You know what? I don't really like the way this guy does that. He's such an idiot. Stuff that's happening behind the scenes. You know what happens when you do that? It infects the team. Infects other people. Yeah, you're right. I don't really like him either. I don't like what's going on here. It happens in the world, doesn't it? Happens in your workplace almost every day. Sometimes it happens in the church. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it happens in the church. Not this one. Um, it says, do everything. Everything without complaining, and then he uses the word arguing. Now, when I th first thought about this, I thought, oh, this is like face-to-face -face like this, disputing. No, he's talking about questioning. He's talking about this idea of second-guessing something that's happening. It really fuels the complaining part of it. He's saying do everything without complaining and without arguing. And he goes on here and he says so that you may become children, blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Now we know that this is happening in the world, don't we? We live in a crooked and depraved, warped, perverse, whatever word you want to put in there, all of those words would describe what he's saying here. Paul is encouraging, hey, live above that kind of thinking. I remember working in the factory, worked in a factory where this was the environment. 
No one wanted to work there. Everybody thought they should be the boss. Everybody thought that the boss was a moron. If I was running this place, it would be different. I can tell you those guys, it wouldn't be any different if you were running the place. No one wanted to work there, and yet here we show up every day at the job. Got to have a paycheck. Paul's encouraging this church, live above that kind of thinking. Be grateful. Be gracious with one another. Notice what happens when we do that. He says, crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. In which you shine like stars among them as you firmly hold out the word of life. That's what the new NIV says. You know what happens when we live out gracious, when we live graciously, and when we live grateful lives? What's the result of that kind of Christian living? What happens when a community of believers live in harmony and an attitude of humility toward one another? The first thing is this. Unbelievers are drawn to the gospel in which you shine among them like stars. Shining out. Guys, it doesn't have to be that way. Maybe the, maybe the boss doesn't make the best decisions, but I can still find out what he's doing well and promote those kind of things at work. When you live above grumbling and arguing, you're living differently than most of the world. And do you want to know what? It's refreshing. People are refreshed when you work out your salvation and when you live with grace towards one another. It's beautiful. I saw this at Starbucks. When I first came here to help with the church plant, I worked at Starbucks. We had an incredible team at Starbucks. Janine, our manager, great lady, knew the Lord. David, one of my friends who I ran a marathon with, great man who knows the Lord. We had a worker, Martha. Man, she was awesome. Chad, Aaron. It was a great environment because we were positive, because we were shining like stars among them. Spiritual conversations were happening behind the counter at work. Maturity toward one another. We didn't always agree, we didn't always, but we worked well together because we cared about one another. We supported and encouraged one another. It was a beautiful place to work. I can tell you this, that it showed on the other side of the counter because, man, I got, to, I got to talk a guy through a divorce. I got to pray with people in the drive through It was a different place. And the customers were saying, man, this Starbucks is different. What was different? The Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of God. This church is different. These people love one another. They really love one another deeply. Crossroads is different, you guys. You love one another. 
You don't complain and argue. We're not arguing or backbiting each other as a church. We're shining among them like stars. Jesus talked about this in the Gospels, didn't he? In Matthew chapter 5, he said this. He addressed, addressed his, he says, you're the light of the world, right? You're the light of the world, the city on a hill. It can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house, shining among them like stars. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. What's the result of this kind of Christian living, this kind of attitude, this humility that we live out, that we work out our salvation? God is glorified, right? We're following the example of Jesus Christ, who we just read about, we just preached about, who humbled himself, and God exalted him to the highest place to the glory of God the Father. When we live above the world, you're living different. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to live different in your workplace. It's so easy to get sucked into the drama of work. So easy. I know it. I've been there. That factory was the most negative place I've ever been in. I refer to it as hell. Man, pastor comes into that factory, and all of a sudden there's a light. Guess what happens? There's a few other closet Christians here. There's some light that's starting to happen. Things are starting to get illuminated. Pretty soon, it's infecting. Summer comes on in the factory. It's hot in that factory. Man, I know the Bible says, hey, serve a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. I'm working my butt off to get my job done fast enough so that I can serve my my fellow employees there. Come September, and it's time for me to get out of hell or get get out of the factory. (laughs) These guys, my team are going, man, we don't want you to leave. We don't want to do it without you. Every one of us has the opportunity to be that kind of person in our workplace, to do everything without complaining or arguing, or to be gracious and grateful for one another, to serve one another, to consider others better than ourselves. And in so doing that, we will work out this salvation that we have with fear and trembling. So, unbelievers are drawn to the gospel, and the second thing is this, that joy permeates the church. Paul writes there, he says, and then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, the circumstances in his life are not good. He's chained to a soldier day and night. He's facing a trial with Nero, who ends up being insane. And yet Paul says, even if I'm being poured out like that, if I'm being poured out on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad. I'm rejoicing with you. You, Philippian church, you are bringing me great joy in the midst of awful circumstances. 
And so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul's been writing that. He's saying, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Paul's singular purpose in life is to bring glory to God, to live for God. Talk about a guy who shined like stars in a dark place. Paul's that guy. The Philippian church is that kind of church. Crossroads Community Church is that kind of church. The absence of murmuring and questioning, the awareness that we're God's children and God's work is flowing in and out of us, that brings joy to everyone. It brings joy to the leadership and it brings joy to the congregation. And I think what Paul's saying here is this, if you live with gratitude and grace toward each other, I'll be full of joy because I'll know that I didn't labor in vain and that my ministry was worth everything. And even if my imprisonment results in death, I'll feel like I had a small part in what you've become before God. And I'm going to be thrilled, and you also will join in my joy. A church that lives in harmony and humility brings joy to the leadership and everyone in the congregation. A grateful and gracious church shines bright for the gospel and guarantees gladness. How could it not? And that's what we want here at Crossroads Community Church. That's what's happening here at Crossroads Community Church. God's will and God will help us to continue to be that. God himself, because he's the one that's working in us in order that we can work it out among us. God's the one that's feeling the desire and the ability to live in harmony and humility And we work out everything that God is working in us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Um, Thank you, Lord, that it instructs our hearts. Um, It speaks to us, God. Um, Father, I pray that you'll challenge us in our attitudes. Lord, you'll cause us, God, to to catch ourselves, to take all those thoughts captive, to take our tongues captive, God. Such a small thing, God, can create such a a fire, as James says. And yet, such a small thing can create so much good, Lord. Father, I pray that we would be the kind of people who are marked by grace, who realize that we don't really deserve the salvation that we have. We realize that, um, that we need you and that we continue to need you to work out our salvation in our lives, Lord. I pray, Father, that this kind of attitude, God, would, would not only permeate the church, Lord, this body of believers here, God, the body of believers in Grimes, the churches of Grimes, God, I pray that it would be true. And God, it is, it is happening, God. But, Father, I pray, God, that it would also infect our families, Lord. Man, it's so easy for us to bite at the ones that we we love. Father, I pray that you would move us, God, in a different direction. Move our hearts and our tongues, God, towards our kids, towards our spouse. Father, help us to take this principle, God, and to apply it in our family, Lord. 
Father, I pray that it would, it would impact our, our workplace, God, that it would change, God, our, the environment at work, Lord. Help us to be the ones, God, that speak out the word, that hold out the word of life, God, as we shine like stars among, among a dark and depraved world, God. Thank you, God, that we're not alone, that we don't have to produce this stuff. We simply have to obey. Listen to the voice of the Spirit, God. He's always speaking to us, always encouraging us, God, to live differently. And so, Father, right now, God, we submit ourselves, we submit our hearts, our minds, God, to your Holy Spirit. Do your work in us, God, even as we sing and as we pray, Lord. We love you, God. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.